0: Okay, Kelly. What do we have this week?
1: Well, this week we're talking about punishment. We've already kind of touched on it a few weeks, but yeah. it's such a large and um, hot topic, if you will, that I think we, you know it deserves um, an episode all, all its own. The topic deserves an episode all its own.
0: Absolutely, I think it's the most misunderstood aspect of dog training. So we did, you know, we doubt. don't want to recap the whole episode
1: yeah. of our, our last episode, but you talked a bit about negative reinforcement mm-hmm. and, and good ways to use it and bad ways to use it. Well, um, we'll just
0: talk about punishment here then. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, Do you want to define punishment before we... Well,
0: yeah, I mean... ...what
1: we're talking about? There
0: are a number of definitions. One definition which most people use is punishment is a stimulus which causes a decrease in frequency of the immediately preceding behavior, such as it is less likely to occur in the future. Um, A definition of training could be that the frequency of punishments is reducing until we get zero when we have a trained dog we think about it you punish the dog when he doesn't do what you want therefore that would be a great definition of training and 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 this is the big thing I have about punishment when I watch people train I observe them the same way as when I observe dogs interact as I learned to do in the seventies at Berkeley and I write down what they do in shorthand And years ago, I went to a, a, this was years ago, 20, 30 years ago now, an on-leash dog training class. And I just wrote down, if they said sit, I put S, uh, D for down, you know, H for heel. If they praised the dog, I had a tick. If they gave a leash jerk, I put an X. And then I worked out command correction ratios. And what I found was, if they said the word sit, there was a 90% likelihood the dog would be punished afterwards. If they said the word heel, it was followed by 2.7 punishments. Okay, now that's pretty scary. And you think heel means walk by my side. Why don't dogs want to do it? Because we say heel and then we jerk them on leash 2.7 times for each heel command.
1: You know what I find interesting as you're saying this? Is, you know, in class, people are always asking, "When can I stop rewarding? When can I stop giving the food reward, or do I have to reward every time?" And so few people ask, "When do I stop punishing?" When do I stop
0: punishing, yeah. No
1: one actually. I've never had that question.
0: And the answer we've already said: when your dog is trained, by definition. Uh, yeah, I like
1: that definition. When your dog is right.
0: trained, you are no, no longer to punish. The scary thing about this little informal study, though, I went back two weeks later, and I found that when they said the word heal it was followed on average by 2.7 leash jerks. You mean
1: the following week?
0: Two weeks later. Two weeks later,
1: two weeks later.
0: So in two weeks of jerking the dog, the dog hadn't learned anything by definition because the frequency of punishments was not reducing.
1: Would you say then that perhaps those weren't punishments after all? Well, obviously they weren't effective punishments. Of course
0: they weren't punishments. It was was just harassment or or abuse. Nagging. Well, by using the definition of decreasing the behavior that immediately preceded it doesn't sound like... Yeah, and so I'm nagging, don't really understand story. what. If behavior. you look at uh, the other day, I was thinking, crazy. what have I tried to do in in my life in dogs? And 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 three things. One, I've tried to make um responses internally rewarding. It's so joyful, so gleeful for the dog to do what you ask. It's internalized. That's number one. Number two, to reduce the number of painful and scary punishments in training by educating people that use. Painful and scary punishments. So I, I, I don't mind what trainers use. I will talk to them because that's the number one thing to get them to learn how to train the dog quickly, efficiently. So now the number of punishments is reduced as the dog is getting trained. But number three, I want to reduce the horrible things to do, done to dogs which people call punishments, leash jerks, a lot of electric shocks, that. A lot of these aren't punishments and we can prove it because the dog doesn't learn and there's no date, one week in the future, when we take off the leash or the shock collar and the dog is just as reliable. And so this to me is is the, the, the biggest scandal in dogs, that scary and painful stuff is done but it's not actually a punishment. So the question is then, so why wasn't this least a punishment? Well, it's meant punishment? as a
1: punishment, but it's not effective as a Yeah, punishment.
0: it's meant to be as a punishment, but it's, it's not, not effective. It's as not, it's not working. working. Yeah, it's not working. And it's
1: not decreasing.
0: And perhaps. so I looked into it, and there's about eight criteria a punishment has to fulfil, which a computer administering electric shock fulfils all eight right away. Actually, it fulfils seven of them. Okay, we we'll won't go into great detail. But the punishment didn't work for healing, say, because the dog got jerked if he forged a head but then he got jerked if he lagged. He got jerked if he went too wide, and he got jerked if he walked too close. So how could the dog ever work this out? It's kind of like wherever I am I get jerked, but when I'm here, I don't. If by chance I could get the perfect position, I, I don't get a, a leash jerk. So you know, we tried to make it a lot punishments more effective by making them instructive. And what I found was if you taught a dog hustle and steady, which is very easy, you walk in a straight line, you say hustle, you speed up and you say steady, you slow down, so the dog learns, aha, when they say hustle, off they go when they go steady, they slow down, so now when you say hustle, the dog speeds up because you see, forging and lagging are the antidotes for each problem, so now, if the dog's forging and we say, steady, least jerk, now the dog started to learn and the number of leash jerks reduced over time Okay, so number one, you know, what we should we learn from this, if you're using a punishment and it is painful or scary, and that's your decision because it doesn't have to be. Right, you, you could should, just as easily stop walking yeah, instead of uh, leash jerking. Absolutely. But if you can many people do elect to shout, to use a horrible tone, an ugly face, to grab the dog, to give a leash jerk, um, if they elect to do these things, they must quantify and prove that the number, the frequency of punishments day to day, is decreasing as the dog learns. It's going to be mean. It better work. It better absolutely. So that that is such an important thing, um, you know, to state. If we then ask the question, so what is a good punishment? I think a spoken word. There's nothing better. You say sit. The dog doesn't sit, and then you say Rover, sit, and the dog knows absolutely then from your your tone that he has to do it. We could simply change his name. So with Omaha, um, I would call him Om. Om, come here. Om, settle down. Om, settle down. He doesn't do it. Omaha, down. When I call him Omaha, he knows he must do it now. So he does it, so he doesn't get punished. But So once we're using the good punishments, which I think is the spoken word, because that's all we ever have with us all the time, You know, we we may not have a leash with us or a can of pebbles or a shot collar button or whatever people use but we always have our voice and I I like to teach people to use your voice to get the dog to do it use your voice to say thank you and use your voice to insist that the dog does it so we then get to the question are punishments necessary and and I think yes I don't think they should be painful is there a time and a place for punishment yes once your dog knows what you want to do and so, in my workshops, I prove to people the dog hasn't got a clue what sit means. That's the first stage. So he's got to know. Well, isn't that the biggest mistake means.
1: people make? Yeah,
0: they assume, assume the dog knows. Oh, well, he knows it, you know, or he knows he's being disobedient. It's like, oh, he doesn't, and I can prove it. And at workshops, I have everybody in the workshop vote. I pretend I'm the I'm the uh, defence attorney for the dog, mm-hmm. and I say, and I maintain this dog was not being disobedient. He just didn't understand. Is there anyone here who disagrees with me? And everyone agrees. Why? Because the owner was, say, lying on their back and asking the dog to sit up from a downstay. Well, because most dogs think, owner's on the back, jump on their face, kissy time. Or owner's on the back, Newfoundland's think, time to sleep. Okay? So, but the dog doesn't sit, but what does he do? He totally focuses on the owner. He's not running off. He's not being ultra disobedient, like running off and humping a dog. Being respectful. Yeah. And some dogs actually make little body movements, like he's asking me to do something, but I don't know what it is. So the dog shows intention and attention, but he just doesn't get it right. So we know this is the biggest reason for dogs not doing what we want. They simply don't understand what we want. Then comes, all right, the dog now knows what you want to do. Will he do it? Not necessarily. It depends. What else is there? Are his buddies there? Is there some cute female dog there? Have you worked up to that level there? of
1: distraction? Absolutely. Like, I mean, That's like college yeah. level stuff. Did you
0: practice in, in the bathroom first, and then then the living room, and then the whole house, then your garden, and a friend's because garden? Because dogs don't generalize dog. as well. No. That's
1: the other reason they get in trouble dogs and get punished. Dogs have
0: great difficulty generalizing unlike like humans i mean wonderful example with you jamie you can't remember this but you were a page boy in a wedding when you were four in england and a thousand year old church spooky and in this ceremony you had to do a 14 second stand stay <laughs> and so i trained you at home as i trained you for the airline trip i sat you in a chair and tied you in if you can remember tied watching tv in. i tied him in i wanted to simulate the airplane trip before we were on the plane Anyway, I did learn that I, Jamie, it's a great idea to go pee before yeah, you get tied you learnt, into your living room You came room back chair. with a list and said, well, I should go pee. I should go poop. I need food. I need a Game Boy. I need books. I need cards. And, and all this list before we do a flight. And we did the flight. It was perfect. And the wedding was perfect. We trained in the living room in Oakland. You can't do that with a dog. You train a dog in the kitchen. You got a good kitchen dog. That's it. In the yard, you say sit. He goes, huh? What's that? Never heard that word before. And it's just the way the dog's minds are so very different from ours.
1: So it's not generalizing well, but also adding an, in, an enormous amount of distraction. So there's two absolutely. major components yeah, absolutely. to failure yeah. versus yeah. house training or, or classroom training and real life.
0: Yeah, and the, and, the, and the best exercise to practice that is pick out what you want to teach the dog, like an emergency sit or to find your car keys and you go on a walk. And every 25 yards you do that exercise and you do a three mile walk you've had 250 training exercises each one in a different scenario so when you come back that dog is really reliable okay so now we have a dog who understands what you want him to do and he's really motivated to do it the question is will he always do it and the answer is no no the best of trained dogs will only get up to about 97% reliability but The difference is we are with the dog and we have our voice and we are there to insist. And So we can get dogs up to 100% reliability if the owner is there to use their voice but that's when we have to bring in punishments. For a dog to know exactly what to do, we can't teach him exactly by rewarding him for getting it right. He has to know that was wrong
1: so what to do so, but also what not to do yeah a
0: classic example is in the boundary training you know with little um, hugo you walk up you have him sit you walk up have him sit at the roadside you practice that over and over and over and he's got it then you set him up one day and you don't stop you walk into the street and he follows and you go ah, what are you doing what are you doing sit 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 and then he jumps back and sits wow that is huge in terms of a quantum leap and reliability. That was a punishment.
1: And, and that was a
0: punishment. Nasty. Yeah. It wasn't well, excessively well, a we,
1: punishment if it worked, and he didn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do it again. And and the reason why this works is it is a, a psychological principle known as confirmation bias. It's the way we learn.
1: Hmm.
0: And who developed this confirmation bias? And this, what is it? This came not. You're thinking of Peter Wasson, I know, Jamie, but no, it's Sir Francis Bacon <laughs> in the 17th century first wrote about this stuff. Ah. But there's a great study by Peter Wasson, I think his name is. He's an English psychologist. And what he did, I'll do it with the two of you now. He would present um, three numbers. And the numbers he presented were two, four, and six. You then have to present back three numbers to me to test the hypothesis. What is the relationship between these three numbers? What's the formula? Two, four, and six. So you present numbers to me, and I'll tell you whether it's right or wrong. So have a go. And then you tell me, when you know what the relationship is, you great. tell me. So, here we go, Kelly. You're good with numbers. Yes, yeah, so I'm so <laughs> good with numbers four, six.
1: So, you know, you say 8, 10, 12.
0: Correct. Uh, 5, 7, 9. Correct. Uh, 1, 2, 3. Correct.
1: 22, 40, and 3.
0: Incorrect. A, B, C. They aren't numbers. All right, well, I'm just checking. So do you have any idea what it is, the relationship?
1: Could it just be lowered to higher versus...
0: Seemed like increments of two. Kelly has got it. It's any oh. ascending three numbers. Oh, okay. way to go. And Generalize. And, and, yeah. no, 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 listen that's to this. This is really important because the way she got there was by testing against the hypothesis. Mm. Most people would say, oh, increments of two. Let's go 4, eight, ten. Yes. Oh, and then we say, I think it's increments of two. Well, 4, eight, ten. What Kelly eight did eight was, four, she said, but- you said what, Twenty-two, forty-three. I can't remember the exact numbers. She t- gets a no and thinks, aha. So what we do when you we Learn look from at- your negatives.
1: Well, before that, I was-
0: first I thought it was... Precisely. Wait, wait yeah, I what Jamie said there, yeah. What people do is not what Jamie said. What we do is we spend more attention on information that supports our subjective biases. And that's what we test. But a single test or paying attention to any information that does not support what you think, that's when you learn. And that's what we provide to a dog with just one consequence to the feedback when he gets it wrong. And as long as it's not painful and nasty, that dog is going to learn. That dog is going to learn. And that's a punishment. And that's a really effective punishment. And in the case of boundary training, may save the dog's life one day. So basically telling the dog, yes, over and over again will teach them, but not as much as one well-timed no. Absolutely. Absolutely. The dog will get a really good picture by being rewarded for what is right. OK, and especially if it's well-timed reward. But, but to, absolutely know, to absolutely know, to absolutely no, they have to, if you have a line between your property and the road and the dog's paw print crosses that line without you telling him, let's go, then, hey, back, 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 sit, 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 sit. The dog thinks, whoa, boy, cross this line and there's urgency to sit. OK, then the dog gets it. And, and that to me is it, it's such an important question that people don't get because so many people are afraid to talk about punishment because they think it's it's not the punishment that works it's this horrible stuff that people do endlessly and never phase out they're forever nagging at the dog shouting at the dog giving him ugly face jerking him or zapping him and nowhere in their in their training agenda is trial six, we're going to phase out the punishment. And it's precisely why in puppy class, we train the dogs off leash. I'm not going to give the owner the option to tug on the leash because they will. And if they do, it becomes a crutch, which means what? The dog will never be off leash. So it's why puppy classes are taught off leash, you know, so that the owner now has to develop verbal control of this is right this is right Um, in the canine games class the other night we did and again it's what I love about dogs is I can't teach a class without learning from it and and the other night I thought that's a really neat exercise and the first week dogs were wandering off and people were letting them go and it was you know third week I had them do this little exercise they were dancing with the dogs basically and all the dogs were focused and right there one dog tries wandering off instantly the person is hey come on back over here the dog came back there it is it's brilliant it was a punishment it worked it was the owner's voice now they're dancing with the dog again you know and and by putting them in that situation that uh, you know the dogs are off leash there's lots of distraction i want you to do something with your dog now when the dog wanders off they are going to use their voice properly to get it to come back. They're going to learn the skill they need, which is how to punish effectively using the voice.
1: Oh, there's so many ways, things we can do with this, and we don't have so much time. I ha- we have a couple reader questions, just basic questions where the idea of of using punishment might might come up. So we can go into that. There, but there's there's so much. Just more. have the questions. Yeah. All right, Jamie, do you have questions?
0: Question number one. <laughs> I have a beautiful 18-month-old neutered Rottweiler who is very well behaved and does not show any signs of aggression until I take his bone away. I am told there's nothing you shouldn't be able to take from your dog and this is the only problem because he snarls, growls, and bites. I've always succeeded in taking the bone, but it is not pleasant and requires gloves. What do you suggest? Please help. Um yeah, I I mean I always think when dogs growl Snarl and bite, usually the reason is they're lacking confidence in the situation. I I, I think that most of dog human bites are fear based. That's my own view.
1: When it comes to Um, resource guarding, a very highly valued object. Yeah,
0: and so Uh, I think the dog doesn't have the confidence. I mean, what on earth makes the dog think? Oh, here comes a human. They're going to steal my bone and eat it. I don't want the dog's bone.
1: No, but you might take it, and she is trying to take it away, or he. This person is taking away the bone. That is they want to keep we, it from. we
0: want to talk about. So, number one, a great solution is back to with, a, with something like this. You know, there was great advice, uh, don't go near a dog when he's eating. And this is one of the easiest problems to manage, number one. However...
1: But she's been told, I have to be able to take things away. Yeah, and,
0: and I would tell her the same. I would say, look, when your dog's eating, don't have people go wandering up. That maybe the dog's, you know, just delivers a, uh, a fairly manageable bite to you. But what about if a kid did it? So be safe. But number two, yeah, we got to train this dog not to fall apart. Or I, I don't care what the motivation is. I want to train the dog that when he's eating a bone and I come up, the dog says, "Oh, yippee! Here comes Ian."
1: Well, the the point I'd like and- to address with this question is Is the fact you know using punishment when you 've got aggression so many people say, "Oh, your method will work, but not when there's really an aggressive dog or you can't you know if there's a real aggression problem you can't you know use your method, you need to really punish that dog to show him who's boss, and so many people in this resource regarding kind of situation would feel the need to to punish or overpower the dog into oh and that, that's compliance. a very
0: easy question yeah sorry i, I was uh, I forgot what the the topic was about today punishment do we punish the dog here no. Stupidity—that for whatever reason the dog doesn't like the person coming up to try and take the bone away. If we then punish him, like, "Quit it!" smack. Now the dog has two reasons to growl and want, want to bite you. And, and this was made very clear to me with with a Springer way way back—a food bowl aggression. And this was way back before I knew all of this stuff about progressive desensitization, classical conditioning, and what have you. And uh, suggested the you know I told the owner, if he does that, just tell him, knock it off quit it and she rang me up in tears and it's one of these phone calls you get where the person can't talk they're crying so hard i said hello (laughs) who is is who please calm down who i I can hear you what's going on and it took her three minutes to get it out and then she said and now we're making it worse and this hit me like a Thunderbolt and a light bulb went on in my head. I thought, Of course, we're making it worse. Oh my god. The food bowl is the, the, the stimulus for owner aggression. The, the, the food bowl is the sign that the owner's about to lose it. So, what the dog is saying is, Stay back from my bowl. I know you're unreliable around my bowl. Stay back, stay back. Okay. And this dog was the number one dog in class in terms of obedience with food lure training yet around the food bowl he was growling why was it getting worse because we were punishing him
1: but people so, really do feel, I mean, we just oh, had this in my, in my own family, yeah, they no. think, he's getting away with something and I've got to stop him, and they actually do begin harassing the animal around the area, and they are making it, or even without the punishment side, just going, the fact that someone's told her I need to be able to take everything away from my dog, and she's just going up and taking away without doing the pre-training. It's well, probably
0: bugging the dog to death. Yeah, and she's like, not
1: doing any I'd, li- training. I'd like to
0: see Jamie try and take away your food, I mean, <laughs> it would <laughs> <like> <laughs> stop, you know, Use pretty sushi, much there. We all know but, already no i i think she has to teach the dog no absolutely there's no training there's many cool, trades that this we, is something
1: that can be cool yeah you know?
0: but we we don't want to punish the dog in the process here because it will get worse and and let's think you see and, and the interesting thing is what's the owner's or the trainer's definition of oh the punishment has worked now the dog doesn't growl anymore doesn't snap anymore doesn't bite you but
1: Still he tense. really hates you still, tense. and he has
0: two reasons to Be. want to do it, so now, instead of having a time bomb that ticked, we now have a time bomb without a tick it 's just waiting to go off we 've camouflaged the real problem, so we must resolve the problem and the problem is I would sit there' all oodles of exercises. Um, I would start with a food bowl, an empty food bowl. Put in one piece of food. Ask for the dog to get me another course. Put in another piece of food. One piece of kibble, that's all. Do the you know, delinquent waiter routine.
1: Resource guarding is I another episode do, we should do. Oh, absolutely. Write that yeah,
0: down. I, I would definitely do the bone on a string. I would do holding the bone, sharing it. You never let the dog have it. You hold it and let the dog chew on it. And, um, and then when you take it away, you give the dog something really tasty. And then and the we bone go back the and we give the bone back. Well, so, yeah, yeah there, there's lots of ways we can resolve the problem. But as you say, that it's an episode in itself. Is punishment one of them? No, with the exception of I would probably talk to the dog and say, hey, quit it. Come on, I, I'm not going to hurt you, it's well, okay. a reaction
1: w- is usually a warning that something is amiss, right? I mean, you're punished, if you, so if a dog growls or snaps, as this woman says, or bites, it's because the dog is uncomfortable. Well, it doesn't matter why they're uncomfortable, they're unhappy, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a communication, it's a red flag.
0: And we want to resolve Make that. a
1: mental note yes. and now resolve that and make them feel better. Yeah, right. absolutely. So there is a time to punish, this is not one of them. Um, so how do we define that for people quickly and wrap up with that? I, I think so. we um, so we we said there are times that it's okay to punish, but then well, how it, it, and it's, when it's crazy. When I mean, I
0: personally think, and this is, uh, you know, we don't know why the dog is doing it. I think the dog lacks confidence with a human around the dog food. That that's my interpretation, but I don't mind. The point is, if you punish the dog around his food bowl, if you punish the dog when he growls at other dogs, now that stimulus whether it's the food bowl, the bone or the other dog becomes the contingent cue for punishment which signals to the dog, in this situation my owner is untrustworthy and so, strangely enough, the dog is thinking exactly the same thing about the person as the person thinks about the dog now, the people always say, the dog's alright 99% of the time but he can't be trusted around his bone in this situation, the dog says my owner, good breeding She's all right, 99% of the time, but she can't be trusted around bones. She gets angry, she shouts, she smacks, and she jerks. Okay? And so that's why we don't want to punish there, because you're now setting up this contingent cue. So how do people define this?
1: It's a training situation versus an emotionally loaded situation.
0: Oh, yeah, a training situation. the question is, all right, whichever advice you're taking, has it worked? And obviously, she's taken loads of advice, and it hasn't worked. Still wearing the gloves. Yeah. So, change to plan C or D or E. Um, I think I have a, a technique that does work. And and obviously, she's wearing gloves and getting away with it. So the dog isn't biting too hard, and so the dog has pretty good bite inhibition. But I would say, no, we need to do some bone exercises and some food bowl exercises, and this is a training exercise. Training your dog to enjoy giving you yeah. their bone. and it has nothing to do with these things that people say or think, like, oh, the dog's getting away with it. I mean, that's just mindless bullshit banter, you know. And, and, and it's getting you nowhere, because that's not training. It's someone sitting and talking and expressing their opinion and their opinion is make your dog's life a living hell or worse than it is now. So the difference is in training. We want to do things which resolve the situation and and we we prove that the dog is much better. And that's it exactly on time. So let's say goodbye everybody. Goodbye. Bye everybody.